Hey, hey, welcome to another edition of the Creative Imbalance Podcast, wherever you're listening from, whether it be iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or our home, girthradio.com. Thanks for checking out another episode. We got a fantastic guest today, one of my influences, and throughout this interview, you are going to be sick of me saying that to him. (laughs) I can't lie, I was like dorking out a little bit, and by a little bit, I mean a lot. My guest today is Ed the Sock. If you happen to be outside of Canada and not familiar with Ed the Sock, Ed the Sock is a Canadian television legend has put on some of the most ballsy, funny, blunt interviews we have ever seen on TV. And even though you may have not seen him on TV in a while, he is still going strong. He is the front of the lines of the FU Network. If you're not familiar with that, you're going to learn about that today. And also a lot of the changes that has happened in Canadian television Ed is front of the lines against all the fuckery. And alongside about hearing about what he's up to now, we get a bit nostalgic. He tells a lot of stories about some celebrities from Lenny Kravitz, Christina Aguilera, Gene Simmons, and having these very unique moments with some of the biggest celebrities on the planet. And right before we get into this episode, I want to give the biggest shout out to the Pacific Junction Hotel, our sponsor of the Creative Imbalance, Girth Radio, and another huge shout out to Nigel King. He works the bar. He is my co-producer. He's always the man to take care of me and my guests who roll through, and I appreciate it so fucking much. But without further ado, here's Ed the Sock coming at you right now. Pacific Junction Hotel, Girth Radio. Testing, testing. Is it loud? It's probably loud. Is it loud? It's perfect, Ed. Yeah. And I just want to say I appreciate you coming in today. Oh, are we starting the interview? Oh, all right. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna... That was a rather smooth transition. We're just going to... No intro music, nothing. I forgot. Okay, it's very stripped. Bare bones. I appreciate bare bones. Uh, well, you know, not... If, if they're found in a shallow grave in my yard, but I appreciate bare bones production. That's the thing that I'm I'm championing these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I noticed uh, the FU network. I'm so intrigued with that, and I'm going to ask you about that. But I kind of want to go back in time a bit, if that's cool. With do you have you. any sound effects? Is like a, a do you have like a a harp or something that you can do for the back back in time? Uh, definitely, we can put that in there. And no, if it's not the there, harp. no, no, no. If it's not live, then forget it. Yeah, don't don't put any sound effects in for me. All right, uh, okay. Let's go back in time. Yeah, you have to do the voice thing. Let's, let's go back in time. Okay, all right. We're so, back in time. I just want to say it means a lot for me to have you sitting across from me, Ed the fucking sock. That's actually my middle name. The fucking. The fucking. Yeah, that's actually my middle name. Yeah, it's on my driver's license. <laughs> Amazing, but. Growing up, uh, I used to watch Ed's Night Party when I was too young to watch Ed's Night Party. And also, I'd like to mention, I have no training in broadcasting or whatever. I just jumped into the show. 
So all my teachings comes from guys like you. <laughs> well, um, I don't know if I should be scared for the future or not. No, mm-hmm. you know what? what? Screw this false humility. Guys like me are the are the people you should use as role models because all we've got, especially in Canadian media now, uh, big media, is people who are they're literally well. Okay, I shouldn't use literally anymore because people don't do that. They're figuratively puppets. Okay. As opposed to me, who's actually literally a puppet, they are figuratively a puppet. I'm no one's puppet. They are corporate puppets. And all you see is stuff that is approved, and uh, the edges are sanded off, and they put a nice coat of lacquer on it, and they trot it out there. And Canadian shows now basically are Canadian versions of American formats, and Canadian shows that are sort of entertainment shows that promote the programs that the network has bought, the American shows the network has bought. So shilling, basically, a mm-hmm. Barker channel. We need people who don't, didn't go to, to school for this, where they get their head filled with all kinds of do's and don'ts, but people who are just want to be who they are. That's what much music always was. It Fuck was people yeah. being who we are. They, we were never asked to be anything else. They, when you get hired, When you got hired there... You were hired for who you were, and they just let you go and be who you were. After I quit, uh, they started getting in spokesmodels, and they they told them what they could and couldn't say. They had to submit comments beforehand and, and to, to, to an especially uh, talentless asshole um, who worked there, who, had, who got the chance to decide what got said. Um, and, you know, you saw what happened to Much Music. Yeah, Into the definitely. crapper. You just answered like eight of my questions I had there with uh, the whole much music and the transitioning into like everything's bought by Bell and Rogers and it's you turn on the television everything's the same and I remember like back in the days with Ed's Night Party Much Music City TV there was some heart in it which is just seems to be fucking missing right now. Well, there's no heart. The uh, executives are afraid of heart because heart has feelings and they're afraid of feelings. You see, it used to be television was run by guys like Moses Neimer. And Moses, for all his personal deficits in, in interpersonal uh, dealings with people, in other words, he can sometimes be a real asshole, um, he had a gut and a passion for television. He had a passion for it. He, he, it, 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 he lived and breathed it, okay? He understood risk. He knew that when he started out, like you're doing, with... Uh, small amount of resources, you got to do something, you got to take risks in order to to grow because you can't grow during the traditional path. Guys like him built what we had. And then now you got MBAs who were running businesses, you know, television. MBAs are taught to uh, reduce risk as much as possible. Mm -hmm. That's like somebody running a bathing suit company whose job is to stop the bathing suits from getting wet. Okay, you in a creative business, you need a degree of risk. But since you can't put it on the damn balance sheet, these MBAs just try to minimize all risk. And when you get rid of risk, you get rid of inspiration, you get rid of creativity and you get the shit we have now. Mm -hmm. And somebody uh, months ago kind of gave me a tip of what you've been up to lately. And uh, first he started off with Ed the Sock has a new project. I'm like, okay, I'm in. What is it? (laughs) And then uh, he told me a bit about the FU network, and I uh, went on the site, everything, and there's a whole philosophy behind it, like, where it's just pushing back towards these things, and I just want to know a little bit about the inception of this, Ed. Well, you know what? I'm sort of the spirit animal of the FU network. Mm -hmm. A perfect guy to do it, too. Thank you. Uh, It's sort of being built from my DNA, uh, which is... Honesty, authenticity, you don't say things 
designed to offend people, but you may say things which do offend people. Mm-hmm. The big difference there. There's people who go, who go online, you know, trolls, they just do things to, to, to poke on the sensitive spots. They don't have any deliberate opinions about it. They just want to make people angry. That's, and, and there's people who do that, especially online too, mm-hmm. uh, with like the, the vlogs and, and shit like that. That to me is not honest broadcasting. Honest broadcasting is not doing something to offend someone. It's doing something which you know may offend, but you actually have these beliefs. Now you can say, well, what about Nazis? Well, what about Nazis? Yeah, they get on, unfortunately, they get online, and that's the nature of uh, free speech. We have to have these assholes there in order for the rest of us to be there as sort of the defense. But the problem with uh, Nazis online is not enough people fight them effectively. Because the argument is, they have free speech, and we have free speech to oppose their free speech. Like We have the chance to oppose what they're saying, but people don't do it. They fall into the, these traps that these guys set for them, uh, these ideological traps, and they don't fight effectively. And so what you have is the Nazis relishing the anger of the people that are angry because they want to make these people angry. They don't understand that that's not the way you get these people. But... Uh, I don't even know where the hell I started there. Something about online. Anyway, <laughs> um, that online stuff just, it needs to be authentic. It uh, needs to feel like, you know, in much music, people who are watching, they found out what was going to happen next the same time as the people who were doing it. Because there was no planning. Mm-hmm. You know, the most rudimentary planning, if any, other than the MMVAs. Yeah, it just seemed like I was watching some playground on TV. And Largely it was. Yeah. Yeah, largely it was. And that was the fun. You knew that these people were real. No bullshit. Mm-hmm. DJs were your peers. They weren't, you know, Ben Mulrooney, uh, who's from an elite status, and you don't think you're ever going to bump into at a supermarket. Yeah. And that, so... Now, as far as the FU network, probably you're going to have a guest later that will probably talk to him about it more than me. But, you know, my goal in the FU Network is I've been doing a show now called Ed, Liv- Ed the Sock Lives. We started it at the Hard Rock Cafe uh, live every Thursday at 9. Now the Hard Rock Cafe no longer lives. Yeah, I, I was following yeah. the show for a bit. And yeah. Then, uh, yeah. What do you mean for a bit? Get the hell back to it. Okay. Um, <laughs> and so we, we moved to a place called Pigeon Row, which is a post-production place that looks a lot like Much Did. Mm, and nice, it's just nice. a live show where anything can happen. We talk about topics. We do comedy bits. Uh, I've got like a you know a team a crew. Uh, Leanna's there running the show so that I can do my thing and we interact. So there's a you know it's got that spirit of anything can happen because truly shit happens we did not plan at all and we just go with it. That's the beauty of of, of the internet and that's what much music used to be mm-hmm. and that's what we decided the the sort of under the radar launch for the network would be this test program, Ed the Sock Lives, which has done really well for us with no advertising. No, I barely even promote it. Uh, it we get fifty to 70,000 views on YouTube, which people, some people get a million views. Yeah, very few do, and uh, those are usually just luck. Um, but when you're getting fifty to 70,000 views and you're not even telling anyone you're there, we've got an advertising agency we're going to be working with shortly that will tell people we're there now that we feel like the bugs have been working ah, out. Ah, beautiful. Nice. Yes. I'm so glad that spirit's back. It's, like, so exciting. And well, it's, and you know, it, it, this is kind of like Rocky uh, Rocky Three, mm. where he lost everything, had to go back to the beginning, train the way he trained in the beginning and uh, uh, without all the resources, and come back. And that's sort of what this kind of programming needs to do. We've been, we've been shut down by broadcasters. We've been shut out by broadcasters. See, in America... I would be on television all the time. 
because I had the uh, number one late night show in Canada. Uh, and that means I was beating Leno and Letterman every Friday mm-hmm. by a lot. Um, and, I, and that show ran uh, 14 years. Only ended because City TV was bought by Rogers, and Rogers wanted to just sort of lobotomize it, or actually, more correctly, castrate City TV. Fuck. So they had to get rid of all the old brand identifiers. And that was me. Never gone because of ratings. Uh, on much music, coast to coast, influenced people. Uh, and that's the kind, of, uh, the kind of thing we want to do with the FU network. Nice. I'm like, oh, I'm so excited for this. And it's, it must have been like so bizarre seeing this transition of those suits sweeping in and just kind of cutting things like your show and just other fucking programs on there. And like, yeah, well, how, how did it, did it, was it like a slow process of that happening? Like them kind of weaseling in or what did it feel like just after like over, did it feel like something overnight? Like everything was just, now we knew. We knew. Yeah. You could tell once the sale went through. And uh, you had, uh, you know, people at Much Music would wear jeans, was very casual. Guys showing up in their, their, their chinos and their, pit, their striped shirts with the little schmuck logo in the corner. <laughs> and clipboards. Lots of clipboards. I don't think we even had a clipboard at Much Music. Lots of clipboards these people had. You could just sense the shift, the shift in culture. And it was going to these mindless... Maggots. Yeah, the, the, these overeducated... Smug bastards, and uh, we knew that uh, I had quit much music already. But uh, the uh, City TV, they didn't even, they didn't want any anything that had been previously on City TV. But we had a contract. The contract was for another season, and so they had to take us for another season. But we knew that was the only season oh, because okay. they wanted to change. And listen, they spent a billion dollars, whatever the hell, for it. They have the right to decide what they want on their channel. The fact that they've made it into a nothing, they've made it into a vassal, into something that is just so... See, the thing about City TV is it never had money to compete with, like, CTV or Global. And so they did something different. So they didn't seem like a third-rate channel. Mm-hmm. Now, they seem like a third-rate channel because they're doing the same things as the other networks, just not as well. Yes. So yeah. That's that, so true. That's why you look at City TV and it's like this little rump of a station now. Yeah, I flipped it on and it looked like I don't even know the name of the show, but it was like it was like I was watching a Canadian watered down version of The View for like one minute. I was like, "What is this?" And Are you sure that was City TV and not uh, CTV? Because uh, they have that show, The Talk. Oh no, it wasn't The Talk. I think it was called The View or not The View. Oh, shit. See, the social, the social. Oh, the, the social. social. Yeah, yeah. Where the hell's Oh, the social. Sorry, the social yeah. is on CTV. That's the one I was referring to. Oh, okay. That's yeah, the yeah. show that now takes place in what used to be Much Music Studio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they tore yeah. out all the Much Music stuff and gave it to them. So, uh, what were we talking about? Oh, City TV. Yeah, it's not what it used to be. Yeah. And they're, they're, remember the City TV promos used to be the best with uh, the late Mark Daly's voiceovers? Yeah, Daily yeah. And, is... and now, if you go to the city, their little their little channel IDs is the logo with a bunch of like flower pictures behind mm-hmm. it and a little soft little jingle. Like, oh, man, how the mighty have fallen. Oh, fuck yeah. Even like watching, like growing up on much music, I always saw like the stuff they did there and it's like I w- wasn't living in Toronto I'm like oh I want to be here it's like street parties everything like that and now I walk by like on John Street and it just looks like the place is haunted just like dark windows no and- ghosts won't even go in there because <laughs> yeah. ghosts are too interesting yeah <laughs> see a place that's haunted is too interesting you the ghosts uh, there were ghosts ghost stories when it was the, the chum building 
but the ghosts left because it was just too dull. You know, the scariest thing coming out of uh, CTV these days is the layoffs. Uh, and there's just, you can't have ghosts in a place that has no character. And they went through and gutted the whole building. You used to have character. Now it's this generic place that could be anywhere. It, I consider it occupied territory. Well said. Where the hell are you from, by the way? You said you were from I'm, Toronto. I'm uh, Niagara Falls, so not too far away. Niagara Falls. Yeah, yeah. So you're close enough to the city to feel the pull, but mm. you're still in Niagara Falls. Yes, sir. <laughs> Did you go to the falls often? Not too often. No, because they're there. Because who gives a shit? It's like people in Toronto. You go to CN Tower? Well, no. Because yeah. you know it. When you know something's there and you can go anytime. You don't go. Yeah, it's true. It's like people always ask, oh, do you live on Clifton Hill? No. And the locals what, what, what don't do even they think you down. lived in a wax museum? Yeah, pretty much. That's yeah. the only thing on Clifton Hill is a wax museum. Really shitty. In the shitty, house of Frankenstein. Yeah, shitty, shitty wax museums. But you know what? Boy, there was a charm to shitty, shitty wax museums. <laughs> yeah. Now they have these devices that can read people's faces. So they make these wax things that look lifelike. That's not what I want from a wax museum. I want to see how they clearly took somebody else's face and put a mustache on it and said it's this part. I want to see shitty wax statues. I don't want to see things that are perfected by a computer. Some things shouldn't be perfect. Wax museums mm-hmm. should always be a little dingy. They should smell vaguely of some kind of water damage. And they, the, the statues should, uh, at least a couple of them should have their fingers visibly be, visibly taped back on. That is the experience of a wax museum. You go into a place and they all look exactly like the people. What's the charm? I can see the real people on television. Yeah, I like the quote, some things shouldn't be perfect. I'm going to pitch that to the people who run Girth Radio, actually. This is like the wax museum of uh, podcast networks. Right yeah, here. well, go- nothing, Think no one likes perfection. Because mm-hmm. you know you know Teflon, you know the, 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 the product Teflon that nothing sticks to? Yeah. That's what perfection is. It's Teflon. There's nothing to stick to. No interest can stick to it, nothing. It's things, people like people, and they like things that are, have imperfections. Especially Canadians. Because we don't like all the bullshit, all the hype, all the marketing. We don't like all that shit. We like, like, just get real. Yeah, give us something human, something exactly. we can relate to. People, and you, there's a reason that these reality shows caught on so much around the world. Mm. It's because even though those people are very highly staged, they're people. And they seem to have quirks, and st- even though their real quirks are not shown... They seem to be human beings, mm-hmm. and people like to watch people. They like to watch people with problems, or people with conflicts, or people who are striving. Yeah. They like to, because they, they can relate to that. You can't relate to, I don't know, there's this really popular show called This Is Us. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You heard, it's won yeah. tons of awards. I, I, I can't understand why he watches this show. It's, it seems that from the promos that people cry all the time on that show. Oh, really? Seems like the yeah. whole show is people crying. You got an overweight woman trying to get thin and have a baby crying. You've got a, a, a black guy who was adopted by a white family. The white family cries. He cries. He's got kids. They cry. His father comes into the picture. He cries. Then his father dies. They all cry. Like the whole thing is crying. <laughs> so there is some people who, who do like that phony sentiment boxed in. But you consider the number of reality shows. It's because people like to see stuff. That doesn't feel like it's been put through a studio filter. Yeah, definitely. And, Even uh, though it has been. Yeah. And uh, I think that's why I gravitated to you as a speaker growing up. Like, your opinion is just kind of just always been so raw and honest where you see other different VJs and news reporters just playing, like we mentioned earlier, the safe route where you just kind of 
just said what's in your heart all the time, like whether it's well, it's got, that I was lucky because yeah. I had there was Chum Television, which had the balls to let people disagree with it on television. You will never get somebody like a Ben Mulroney, and I keep using his name because he's the only name that I remember associated with CTV. The rest are very forgettable. Uh, so you will not get Ben Mulroney going on and criticizing CTV the way I criticized Much Music. We used to call on my live shifts on Much. We would call the vice president of Much Music at home. We didn't tell him we were calling. Yeah. If I got like a promo or I got a direction that I was supposed to do something, I didn't like it. We'd call him live on the air, and I, I would tell him I'm not doing it. You know, it's not, you're never going to see that again on broadcast TV. It's a shame because you know we go we're we're, we're further ahead in in our understanding of social interactions mm-hmm. and in being more sensitive to not being assholes to people that we didn't care about before. But we're so far back. As far as what can go on television, it, it's, there's nothing groundbreaking anymore. Groundbreaking now is let's do shows about people who are scumbags and make them the hero. And not fucking, you know what? They were doing shit like that in comedy back in the 70s. Bullshit. There's nothing really groundbreaking happening. We've gone backwards. You could never do an Ed's Night Party today on television, okay? Mm-hmm. You could never even have me doing what I did on Much Music. That honesty, speaking truth to power, you can't have that now. I was lucky because a, a man named Jay Switzer was uh, was basically the guy running everything there, and he understood the value of there being some dissent, you know, constructive dissent. Uh, and David Kynes, also a guy running much music, also very much a champion of it, understood the value. Uh, nowadays, forget it. The networks are so afraid of me, they actually quake. Much Music did a 30th anniversary retrospective, uh, I think it was a whole weekend, not one video of me. Fuck, that's not a slap in the one. Face. They're, no, you know what? I consider that a compliment. Uh, when they were asked, they said, oh, there were so many great things. We didn't have time for it all. I'm sorry. It, there's A lot of people did a lot of great things there. Mm-hmm. But there's no way you didn't have time for my great things. Because my great things were sometimes more memorable than anybody else's great things. It was, ju- And they had a, a book launch party for a book about much music. Everyone was, I think the, the uh, old caretaker was invited. I was not invited. Wow. Every VJ was invited. Old staff members were invited. I wasn't invited. Where was the party? Bell. So, you know, it, <laughs> Do you it, really want to be there, though? Yeah. Well, you know what? With all of my old much people, yeah. I love those people okay, yeah, very much. Um, and I don't hate Bell, is the thing. I watch shows on Bell on CTV. There's a real important place for that in our marketplace. The problem is we just don't have anything else. We don't have anything that people can relate to anymore. We don't have that, that uh, peer-to-peer programming. All we have is this ivory tower shit. Mm-hmm. So do you think in time television itself is going to be obsolete and it's only going to be online stuff? Like It seems mm, like people are gravitating Depends how far you're talking. How many years are you talking? Maybe next 10 years? So. No. No? No. Television will continue to exist. How, what we get on the television will be different. You're seeing the networks like CBS has its own uh, its own online service now, streaming service. You're going to see a lot more of that. We're still going to... like. I like to watch television on a television. I don't want to watch it on a computer screen. It's too fucking small. I like to watch television on a television. There's still people who want to watch network-type shows because they're the ones with, the, with good budgets. And by network, I include Netflix and stuff like that because they have the deep pockets to push, to push this stuff. People are always going to want to watch those well-produced, shiny programs. Yeah, definitely. So there will always be some use for the television. Uh, will the industry be the same? No, I think that we're going to see people sort of dividing into 
uh, studios that are producing the various TV shows that they're going to sell to the streaming networks. and whatever. It's going to go that way. Your prime source won't be a broadcast center. It'll be a computer center where you can go and choose what you want to watch mm-hmm. when you want to watch it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but long term, 20 years, 30 years, yeah, it's going to look completely different. Yeah, definitely. And can you see like the FU network just being like uh, app service, like uh, Netflix type of thing? Huge. Yeah. Yes, it can be huge. We just need to we're, slowly building. Slowly mm. building. Yeah, we're I not, saw on the website the cocoon, actually. That's it's right. Really, that's we're awesome. slowly building. Behind the scenes, we've been going through shows, uh, trying people out, trying to see what shows would, would hit best, what people would hit best. So uh, we're going through that process. And uh, in the new year, which is now, I guess, uh, you'll be uh, seeing more programming and more visibility. Excited. And uh, what's your ideal goal with the... FU Network. Are you still just thinking about growing stages, or do you have like this big dream, like a, grand, a pinnacle? Of grand it? dream yeah. is uh, is to have uh, like outlets in all cities in Canada, or as many cities as want to have them. Basically, in places like here, where you're at the, uh, the Pacific Junction Hotel, a little place set aside for programming. Businesses having that, uh, community centers having that, that'll be part of programming for the FU network that people can do. They can upload. They can be part of it. Uh, I want to have hangouts like the old Much Music environment Mm, in in a number of cities that can contribute and even talk to each other. Programming will be from one environment to the other. You know, everybody being able to interact. Um, having guests in, and you can someone in Vancouver can talk to the guest in in Winnipeg or whatever the hell. Um, And... uh, also a place where younger people can get the experience that young people used to get at much, which is a place that encourages them to be who they are, individuals, and take creative risk, as opposed to trying to stamp that out like a flaming bag of shit on a doorstep. Uh, And also, I'd like to take some of the people, real talented people from TV, who've sort of been left behind by this digital revolution, and Mm -hmm. give them a place to work, because they still have experience that's relevant to how to produce good content. That's incredible, Ed. And uh, I gotta say, for... A sock who's been around for 30 years in the media. You smell great. Why are you wanna, smelling me? I just want to ask, like, uh, very when, when you take a shower, like, what kind of laundry detergent do you use? I don't use laundry detergent. No? No, I, I, these ethnic jokes are, are beneath you. Uh, I'm, so, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's I'm very being, beneath uh, you. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't use a, uh, a bounce sheet. Uh, I don't have a brother lost in the dryer. Can I, have, I, have I ticked off all the ones you want to go to? Uh, yes, you have. Yeah, okay, yeah, very bad. Ethnic jokes. Don't, that's my ethnicity. I'm not defined by it. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry to leave right. us out on this. <laughs> it's all right. It's, yeah. it, it, uh, it's, it takes a big man to apologize. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Even more one who apologizes sincerely. Um, so I don't know what, what the hell else you want to ask. You want to ask me about other stuff with much music? What do you want to ask me? Yeah, I just... Why am I asking you? <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm so used to being in charge. Yeah, yeah. How, do, how does it feel to be interviewed when you're usually the guy who's got the mic in everybody's face? I don't know. I don't even think about it. Yeah, yeah. You ask me questions, I give you answers. You're just not, it, Yeah, this isn't something that I sit there and look in the deep well of my soul. Oh, now I am the interview subject, not the interviewee or interviewer. Mm-hmm. I don't give a shit one way or the other. It, for me, it's always been about talking to people. Yeah. Okay? They were When I did stuff with celebrities and do stuff still with celebrities, I'm just talking to someone. I don't care how big and famous they are. And that's why my interviews always were so casual and funny because people start to seem like human beings when they start to laugh. So celebrities would talk to me. They would laugh. Whatever visage they had broke up. 
and they be, you could see the human being in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I uh, when I did the piece with Lenny Kravitz years ago. Yeah, yeah, it's like uh, the fine wine quote. Is That's it? right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, what he, was the quote again? Uh, well, I have to set it up that he was very upset because he wanted a certain kind of cookie, yeah. and they didn't get him the right kind of cookie. So he was being a real downer in his his dressing room, and I went in to do the interview, and he still had he had this you know you know him Mr. Cool with his detachment from mm. everything. I started doing the interview, and then asked him, and he was trying to be trying to you know trying to be maintain his his facade, and I said, uh, so Lenny, you're a bit of a I'm paraphrasing here, a bit of a ladies' man. Do you think women should be? Uh, Sipped like a fine wine or guzzled like a Colt 45. <laughs> and he paused, took a breath, paused, took a breath, opened his mouth, closed his mouth, then looked away, looked away and started burst out laughing. Yeah. He couldn't maintain the massage. So he and then was trying not to laugh. He was trying like not it. to laugh. He was trying to be him, but he couldn't. And Denzel Washington was there. He was watching and he'd been leaning on a, a, on a, uh, a shelf or something. He, f- he leaned on it so hard when he was laughing that the glasses of water fell on the floor. <laughs> that is fucking Yeah, I mean, awesome. that, that was, that's the advantage of not giving a shit. Mm-hmm. It isn't that I didn't yeah, give a yeah. shit because I wasn't rude to people. People are like, oh, you said all these rude things. No, I always talk to people. I kidded them the way friends would kid them. Yeah. But you, 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 when you're an asshole, your interview gets cut short and you never get another interview. Mm-hmm. And what's the goal? What, what goal is there in humiliating people who are guests? What's the like, people say that, that, you know, nowadays they love that humiliation culture. There's no reason to humiliate somebody. It's enough to have fun with them. No one spends time talking to you in a medium so they can be humiliated. It's a waste of fucking time. Definitely. I, uh, I heard you had a bit of a run-in with Conan, too. For uh... Well, not in person. Yeah. Yeah, well, apparently they, uh, they had sent tapes of me back when I was still on cable uh, to Conan, to the talent uh. person. And there were conversations about having me come on. And then all of a sudden they said, no, we're not, we're not going in that direction. Like a week, ten days later, all of a sudden there's this dog puppet that has remarkable inspiration from me mm-hmm. um, by their head writer. And anyone who knows how shows work, it's not hermetically sealed. The head writer would have been privy to things they were considering having on the show. Yeah. So they claim that it was just spontaneous uh, creation. I think that sounds a little fucking suspicious. Yeah, I don't definitely. know. I wasn't there. But all these confluence of events uh, indicate that... It, it seems unlikely. Yeah, definitely. And it kind of goes back to like what we were talking about earlier, like with the trolls uh, compared to somebody just speaking their mind and pissing everybody off. I found that dog was more like the trolls in his style. Here's he the was, thing like, about the dog: poke at yeah. people. Here's the it, thing about the dog: the dog tries to sound smarter than everybody. Mm-hmm. Okay, now. People say you do that too, Ed. No, I just am smarter. Um, but I don't tend to treat people. I don't punch down. I punch up, okay? The dog punches down. The dog makes fun of just everyday people, which I, I don't do, okay? I don't go to humiliate everyday people. You, everyday people are my people, all right? I, I, I bring celebrities down to the level of everyday people. That's what I do. Also, I started out doing, like, vaudeville-type shtick and evolved into, uh, you know, hosting documentaries that were award-nominated and stuff about social issues and shit like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Fromage was all about media literacy. The dog still just poops on people. Yeah, yeah. You know, or pees on them, whatever the fuck he does. Yeah. So the dog has had no growth over the years. So even though we sort of started from the same general ethnicity, uh, he's got arrested development, and I have grown beyond that. Mm-hmm. He is not an American icon, and I am a Canadian icon. Yes, I agree with that. And, uh, yeah, I got a 
like back to like what you were talking about, like you being like very vocal on social things. I just want to say your Twitter is awesome, by the way, too. Oh, thank you. Like you at can, Ed the Sock, yeah. by the way. I always say that at Ed the Sock. That's my Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. So if just like if people like who strictly like watch TV like miss seeing you on television. They can always go to your Twitter, your YouTube channel, and Ed the Sock is alive and well, like just talking about today's things, and it's, it's something just awesome. Like, well, thank you very much. Yeah. Hey, I was getting disturbed. You were talking about me in the third person there as if I wasn't actually here. Yeah, sorry about that. I started <laughs> to think that I was, it was like a wonderful life. I'm sort of looking at uh, yeah. I was like kind of talking to the guy at home listening yeah, to this. Or, you know, oh, okay, because yeah. I felt like I was like there was an angel with me, and I was looking in on my life if I wasn't here or something. I don't know. <laughs> I had a brief. It was just because it was so close to Christmas. Yeah, um, outer but, body. Uh, but uh, let's see. You're gonna. You want to know who's the biggest asshole I ever talked to? Probably. I'd love that. Uh, Vanilla Ice. Really? Why? Why? Okay. Here's a general rule of thumb: the bigger the celebrity, the better they were to do stuff with. Okay. The more open they were, the more honest they were, because they're secure. Mm-hmm. As you go down the food chain, they get worse and worse. And uh, we went out to do an interview with Vanilla Ice in Florida. We actually flew to Florida to do the damned interview. This is in the stage in his career when he was trying to copy Cypress Hill. So all the stuff was about drugs and shit. Um, So we go, we do the interview, and he's being an asshole. A complete fucking asshole. And... uh, at the and then you know he was taking shots at me and I have a rule I don't have a problem with people taking shots at me go ahead especially if they're good shots mm-hmm. but I have a rule you get three all right oh, okay three strikes yeah three. and he gave he did three and so I was like okay gloves are off so he started talking about how he had a ter- I've had a terrible life it's I wouldn't wish my life on anybody it's been a real rough road a lot of problems I said is Sally Struthers gonna do a commercial for you <laughs> and that's when he sort of. He was pissed, and it mm. died after that. And he says, uh, the camera's off. He says, uh, fucking gimmick puppet. I said, yeah, this gimmick's still working. <laughs> yeah, so... That's uh, fucking fire. <laughs> yeah, and then the interesting thing is, every, we left, and his agent starts walking to the car. says, hey, guys, uh, Ice doesn't want to do the interview. And I look at the camera guy. He looks at me. I said, what do you mean? He doesn't want to do the interview. We're like, what the hell... Is this a time loop or something? He said, I said, I, I don't get it. He doesn't want to do the interview. We just did the interview. Yeah. He says, no, he doesn't want to do the interview. I said, you mean he doesn't want us to use the interview? Yeah, he doesn't want to do the interview. Okay, there's a big difference between not doing the interview and not using the interview. Mm-hmm. I guess this is some kind of show business euphemism in Vanilla Ice World that nobody anywhere else ever heard. Um, but I told him, hey. He had the chance to say no when we booked this thing. He had the chance to say no when we came in. He had the chance to stop the interview in the middle and say no. When an interview is completed and we've gone, it's done, pal. Mm-hmm. You're that's, done. That's, that's airing, right? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're using it. Tough shit. Yeah. And this guy sheepishly went back and then, I don't know, 30 seconds later, really, like that fast, get a call from uh, Vanilla Ice's agent. Hey, man, thanks very much for doing the interview. We really appreciate it. Because nobody was giving him any fucking attention. And the agent, he probably called the agent, and the agent said, Did any, is anyone else lined up there to talk to you, you idiot? You know, so he, he, no problem. That was great. Thanks for the interview. He was just such a jackass. Uh, also, Anthony Kiedis of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, a jerk. At the time, his bassist, John, uh, I forget his last name, it's an Italian name. It doesn't matter. I, I, I would interview band members, and I often wouldn't even know their names because I knew they weren't going to be around long. Mm-hmm. So I would, never, I would never open with, I would never address anyone by name. I'd just sort of look at them and throw a question because I was like, I'm not, I'm not taking the time to learn names here. I sometimes had people slap on stickers that said, hello, my name is. 
but I felt that was kind of a bit demeaning because yeah, he was yeah. telling them that I didn't think it was worth learning their names. Um, anyway, this guy John had been bounced out of the band, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, for heroin use, and then came back in because he'd been he had been rehabbed and he was cured. He was better, except that I could see on his arms he had scotch tape over. The arms, which is what they did to hide from the camera the fact that he had track marks. Yeah, yeah. And he was telling people in the live show uh, with Red Hot Chili Peppers, I think people should should do a ton of drugs, then rehab. Then do a ton of drugs and rehab. And the kids are cheering, eating it up. I thought, what a fucking asshole this guy is. What an asshole. They don't all, first of all, have the money to rehab like you're going to have. And they don't have your life. Like, to tell these kids, a guy who has had an addiction and been kicked out of a bed, and now getting a second chance shouldn't be encouraging people to get addicted. Anyway, so I thought he was an asshole. Um, and then uh, afterwards, uh, I get, I'm get i interviewing Anthony and uh, Keith and this guy. And, of course, the Red Hot Chili Peppers were famous for being naked with a sock on their dongs. Mm. So people think that there's got to be, there's either some kind of affinity or some kind of animus uh, that I would have towards them. I actually didn't care one way or the other. <laughs> um, and so we're doing the interview when, well, when Kiedis comes back there with the publicist, the publicist didn't tell him who the interview was with. They often didn't tell them who the interview was okay, with. Okay, so they get they get him in much music. They, they figure they that when they're there, then... They, they, when they're there, they're not going to say no. It's the sort of thing. Now, eventually, I had people asking to do interviews, and yeah, people yeah. I did interviews with wanted to do another one and another one. Some of them, Christina Aguilera, wouldn't appear on the MMVAs unless I interviewed her again. Yes, so that's awesome. People, you know, the people understood the the like I said, the bigger they were, the better they were. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, just comes in and he's clearly not pleased that an artist of his caliber is going to be interviewed by a sock puppet. So it starts off on a bad, and, and, and I'm pissed off at this John guy who's standing there. Who's, he's like a fucking appendix. He was of no use. He, he only draws attention when he's inflamed. Like he's, he had no use to be at this interview. There was no reason for him to be there. He had nothing to offer, but there he was. Just kind of dead in the frame, right? He's, yeah, yeah, he's like, what the hell? So anyways, talking to Kiedis and trying to do some kind of interview, trying to do stuff. You know, I lure him in, do some stuff, light banter. And then, but there was just such a chill the whole time. So I finally just stopped and said, you want to hit me right now, don't you? Oh, shit. And he paused and said, no. And so I was like, okay, that pause told me everything I needed to know. He thought about it. Yeah. yeah. So I continued the interview long yeah. past when I would have because I knew that he didn't like it. Yeah. And then uh, I don't know if we ever aired it. I think we aired it on much, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he was like, and then when he left, no, no, nice to talk to you. Thanks for the interview. Just. Picked up and left. Just a walkout. No, yeah, just, yeah. A, just an asshole. Wow, yeah. <laughs> Trying to think of other assholes. See, I dealt with so many people. People say, who's your favorite celebrity that you talk to? I don't know. They say, tell me some of the big names. Yeah, because you talk I to everybody. For yeah, like, like the... I, I'm not impressed by celebrities. Yeah. So it's not like they, this wasn't a moment in my life. It wasn't a piece of the bucket list. It was just another day. Yeah. I mean, I did enjoy talking to Willie Nelson. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed singing On the Road Again with him. Because we did it the way most people do it. You sing on the road again, just can't wait to get, and then you just hum. And then come back to you, just can't wait to get on. He got, got it, and he went along and sang that. That was great fun. Oh, uh, wicked. Were you uh, ever starstruck around somebody like Willie Nelson, or no? Because um, you always just seem so comfy and just quick-witted with everything. Like, I think that, uh, and you're right, I was. Uh, the uh, I think the person, the people who I was sort of, uh, in awe of, we're not the ones. Ever, everyone would be Stan Lee, the Ooh, guy yeah, behind Marvel yeah, Comics. Yeah, yeah. Did two interviews with him in L.A. and it was like the idea that 
I'm doing an interview here with the guy who created Spider-Man, mm. and this guy ama- created major cultural force in, in Marvel that in, you know, has international appeal, and I'm just sitting here talking to him about nonsense, yeah. which is really what it was. And then the second time I talked to him, I uh, pitched some comics to him. And uh, he said he, he liked uh, one of them. He sort of liked the other. And then I p- pitched him on the Flatulent Five. <laughs> and that's when he said, no, no. He said, I can teach you a lesson here. When, when you've sold something to somebody and they say yes, don't try to sell anything else. Go with, because now you've ruined all the sales. There's no sales because I don't like what you did with the Flatulent Five. So you should have just stopped at the one I said I liked. <laughs> so it was, uh, you know, but and uh, also when you meet someone like that, who's larger than life, and they're a nice person, like a really decent person, that kind of blows you away, too. Yeah, that's amazing. Anybody you really respected who you've met, like, disappointed you in that way? No. Or, no? I, 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 that, it's not because they're so wonderful. It's because there's not a lot of people I really respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that, <laughs> yeah. That, that, it's, that, it's that equation. Um, one time we were at a, uh, I should mention also, Hilary Duff was great with me. I uh, first did an interview with her when she was, before she got her driver's license. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, and then, so then, still Disney and then Channel, just kept, everything. Yeah. Um, Christina Aguilera, always great. Uh, Coldplay, amazing. I got Chris Martin to run around like the end of Benny Hill shows while I hummed the Benny Hill theme. <laughs> like, I don't think any other interview got him to do that. Yeah, uh, yeah. It sounds like they just, everybody who like, they're... It seems like people either get really pissed off at you or just have the best time. Well, here's the thing. You have to figure out that these people, when they're in town, they've been through a million interviews that day. Mm -hmm. Every interview has asked them the exact same goddamn thing. The day before, they were in a city where they got asked the same goddamn thing all day. Tomorrow, they'll be in a city where they're asked the same goddamn thing. They had an interview with me. They knew it wasn't the same goddamn thing. They knew it was something where they could... They didn't have to just recite themselves, like recite uh, the, the, the talking points. They could just be themselves and have fun. So, like, that's a bright spot in your day. And then it's back to blah, 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 my latest album, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, my where's your movie. inspiration? Yeah, blah, like blah, all blah. that shit. Yeah. That uh, I remember waiting for Christina Aguilera because she wanted me to be last because she wanted that to be the end of the day, like her best thing. Yeah, yeah. And so I watched four different interviews happen. All of them asked her the same damn questions. Mm. Beyonce was great fun, too. Yeah, she, I have to she admit, seems pretty cool. Actually. She was with the Destiny's Child then, and I sang "Say Your Name" with them, and <laughs> nice. she was totally in it. And then uh, I I did another interview with her when she was at the Air Canada Center. Uh, I I gave her jelly, and I said, "You're not ready for this jelly or something with nonsense." <laughs> yeah, but she yeah. got it, and mm-hmm. she you know she was totally into it. Um, one time we went to a soap actress's house in uh, in Beverly Hills. Yeah, and uh, so we show up. And there's something not, I don't know, very, very nervous woman. It was barely her boyfriend, a really rich lawyer's place. Anyway, gated place, huge, beautiful. So she says, okay, we'll sit down and do the interview. I said, no, didn't your agent tell you? We walk around. We don't sit down. Because when you sit down, all the energy goes out of it. Mm-hmm. So we walk around. We look at this. Uh, okay. So we go walking around the outsides of the place. And we're out by this pool. And the, the pool is... It feels like it was three-quarters of a mile away, um, but there was this pool in the distance, and we're walking and talking, and she says, no, no, I have to stop. I can't, I can't do this. I can't let people see me like this. And, what, what's wrong? What do you mean? Is, did we say something? you want us to redo something? And she says, no, that ladder by the pool, people are going to see that and, and judge me. And we're looking over like, oh, what good. the hell? And you had to really strain to see that there was a, 
like a ladder that the people used to clean the pool. It was small, mm-hmm. like it. And that's just like a thing in the it's back just of her head. Th- and it's also her, people yeah. know that there's these things around pools, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like she, it doesn't like, seem she, like it would be a big oh deal. Oh my god, she went off her nut. I can't do this. People can't see me do this. I have to go inside, and so she goes inside, and we go in with her, and we're waiting for her in this sort of sitting room lobby area. Um, all the chairs, no one would sit on them because they were all white, and they looked like they had just like somebody shot a catalog here. Everything was just immediately, immaculately so. So, okay, a, a ladder freaked this woman out. She, I'm sure she thought people on the soap opera, in the soap opera audience, going to write her letters. You had a, a ladder showing way in the... Di-. I said to her, you know, with the way focal length works, that actually won't be seen. No, no. Because it's so far in the distance, it w- there'll be no focus on it. But there was no talking to this woman. Anyway, Whoa, yeah. so we go in and we're waiting. And she's up, she goes upstairs. Door closes. We hear sobbing. Oh, shit. What do we do? Do we just leave? She said she would come back. Do we just leave? That's rude to just leave. Let's just wait. We're waiting. Nothing. And she's got a little dog. I love all animals, except this dog. (laughs) This little dog, all this dog did was a chihuahua, was sat there, looked at us, and barked nonstop. Non-stop bark. So we're waiting. We don't know what the hell's going on. She's crying upstairs. That dog's, dog's like the messenger bird. Like, yeah, like, it's, like, it's, like, it's like a car alarm going off yeah, and no yeah. one will stop. So finally her boyfriend comes in and he says, hey, nice to meet you. He said, uh, I, I think she's upstairs. All right, I'll go, I'll go check her out. He says, uh, so he goes upstairs. Walk, walk. You hear a click of a door opening. As soon as the door opens, you hear the sobbing full strength because the door wasn't closed anymore. Mm. So he comes back down, dog's still fucking barking, and he, I said, maybe we could do this another day. He said, yeah, maybe, maybe another day is good. So That's a goodbye forever. He goes, right? <laughs> well, he goes upstairs to talk to her. We let ourselves out. So we get in the car. We go to leave. The gate won't open. Oh. No one wants to go buzz them again to ask <laughs> them to open the gate. It's like, what do we do? Just drive up a little bit closer. Maybe the electric aisle open. Go a little bit closer. Maybe it'll open now. Like we were like the micro millimeters from the gate, yeah, yeah. waiting, hoping that this damn electric eye would open, and it didn't. So just as we were drawing straws, who's going to go buzz them to ask them to open the thing? Uh, a gardener who was working there came by, and I said, uh, would you mind opening that? She's a little upset right now. And he nods like, oh, yeah, this goes on all the time. And he let us out, which was a great way to get the hell out of there. And I and needless to say, never did another, another interview with this person. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. That's, next uh, time is a goodbye forever, I guess, for that. But well, sometimes yeah. the next time is the next time. That's sometimes cool. they appreciate when you recognize they're having a shit day, mm-hmm. and you let them off the hook. They appreciate that, and we'll give you another time. Um, other times, yeah. When I when I say sometimes, maybe another time. Sometimes it's me saying I'm not coming back here. But this is not a situation where I'm going to tell you that. Yeah, you know, this is a little too volatile. I remember doing a piece with Gene Simmons when he was in town promoting an energy drink. Mm-hmm. And a big limo, stretch limo, with women dressed in lederhosen. And, uh, you know, he puts on this big act the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember uh, around what year this was? Like, was he, did he have the reality show by then? Uh, I think it might have been during the reality show. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, he kept trying to 
be this snarly guy, and I kept making him break and laugh. Nice. Until he just broke and started laughing hysterically at something. Yeah. Uh, and then I insulted him a few times, like insults, and all his people were laughing. Yeah, yeah. And he, you could see he was getting frosty about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a, it was a great opportunity. Yeah, he, he, like, he likes to be the alpha male, too. Oh, yeah. So a well, guy like Ed, like... Yeah, well, I wasn't having any of his bullshit. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't putting me off. There was nothing he was doing, and I was taking shots at him, and uh, taking shots at how he likes to be an alpha male, and he didn't know how to come back. And that was a, that was a proud moment. I didn't have any problems with him as a person. He was actually cordial and stuff like that. This was stuff that was on camera I'm talking about. Off camera, it was very cordial. I know some people have had experiences with them that aren't that way. We first shot him once at a thing in uh, L.A. They had these things called GlamourCon. What they are is um, Playboy Playmates from the last few decades, and I'm not kidding, um, and actresses who used to be on series and stuff, they set up little booths. So just like Comic-Con style, but exactly. that. Exactly. And oh, you go and get, they, they charge to sign their pictures. Oh, okay, um, I guess it's a little it's a little extra money for some people. Anyway, <laughs> we were at one of those, and across the room, distant, coming in the oh, actually we were doing a pan of the room because we you know you need to get shots and stuff. Doing a pan of the room, and who walks in but Gene Simmons? Okay, um, and then he sees us and just continues going into the crowd. Okay, fine. Um, we go uh, then my I said to my cameraman, go up to him and ask him if he'll do an interview. Goes up to the the cameraman. Gene Simmons grabs him by the face, like the face. He says, I don't like being on camera when nobody asked. You should. He says, you're stalking me. He says, no, I came over here to tell you, to ask if we so could do it. So he just had the camera on his shoulder, and Gene kind of flipped out. Like, yeah, well, the camera the lens right was down. Oh, okay, there's a, yeah. le- there's a yeah. language. When you approach somebody with a camera, you don't want them nervous, so you aim the lens down. So his lens was down. He clearly wasn't shooting. And uh, Gene says, don't bullshit a bullshitter. I saw you shoot me when I came in. We were, sh- we were panning the room. And he grabbed him by the face and said, I told you don't bullshit a bullshitter. And shook his head, shook his face in his head. <laughs> oh my like, God. this was assault. Yeah, that's yeah, And uh, like, that was, we were creeped out after that. So I didn't even pursue an interview with him until they called me when he was coming to town. But yeah. then I thought, all right, whatever, I can, I can get my best... Uh, Revenge by doing a piece that takes him down a peg or two. Yeah, yeah, I get back with it. I don't like people who are full of shit. I'm not interested in bringing people down who are just decent people who happen to be famous. Mm -hmm. But when you walk around like your shit doesn't stink, sorry, you need to to be awakened to the smell of your own shit. You need to be brought down a couple of pegs because I just can't stand anybody who carries on with, you know, pretensions. To me, that's like fucking kryptonite, except the kind of kryptonite doesn't weaken me. It strengthens me. I, I, so it's not like yeah. kryptonite at all. I lo- okay. I love how you have the outlet and the ability to, like, knock these people down, too. It's incredible. And, like, so is there anybody you ever get on a hit list? Like, you see somebody do something in public, and you're like, I want to have a segment with him just so I can kind of knock him down a um, bit? Or? I don't ever, I never approach it that way. Okay, it was yeah. never, oh, now I want to get this guy. Yeah. It, would, it would be that this person did something on a red carpet or said something, and it'll be fun to approach them in a way that others are not approaching them. Mm-hmm. But now, you know what? If somebody was having drug problems or family problems and all that, I never touched it. Yeah. I never touched it. And uh, I would always say to the publicist, all right, is there something, are there, are there personal things he doesn't want, or she doesn't want me to talk about? Because I'm not here to embarrass them. I'm not an investigative fucking reporter. Okay, I'm not digging, I'm not 60 minutes, I'm going to dig up their life. I'm here to have a fucking fun conversation with them. And so, um, when people had personal boundaries, 
I respected that. And some people are going to say, oh, you sold out. It's like, no, you have to be a fucking decent human being, you know, to, to people. Just because they're famous doesn't mean you get to trod on their personal problems. I mean, mm-hmm. we all have them at times. Would you want them? Celebrities are in the, in the public. It doesn't mean you get the right to do to them what you wouldn't want someone doing to you. Real talk, man. Yeah, and yeah. It, never, it never affected the interviews. I never, I never avoided controversial topics. Mm-hmm. Like, remember when that, that shithead, uh, was it Pete Wentz, who sent pictures of his penis years ago? Uh, was, I, I don't really recall this one. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I, I, that'll I, tell you, fucking yeah. Pete Wentz. Anyway, yeah. he, this was back before penis pictures were like a basic currency. Okay, yeah, yeah. So was uh, it pre-smartphone era? Uh, or? It was pre-texting. Okay, okay, yeah. All yeah. right, so uh, he took a picture and sent it to uh, on the in an email, and it became a big deal. And uh, I said, I, I wanted to talk about it. And his publicist said, well, we'd rather not talk about it. I said, we'll see how the conversation goes. (laughs) And he was a dick in the conversation. Mm. So I said, anyway, why don't we talk about those photos? I understand you've taken up photography. (laughs) And uh, and his publicist is like... like waving his hands I said oh no I'm getting a signal that you don't want to talk about it yeah and he has to talk about it at that point right mm-hmm. and he said okay let's talk about it let's talk about it and so we had a conversation I said did you think that it was something you needed to show off is it like Michelangelo are you aware that many penises <laughs> look similar um, you know so I had fun with it but at the same time I didn't avoid something that a, a stupid move somebody had done because that wasn't a matter of their personal life it wasn't a, a, a relationship breaking up it wasn't a drug problem those things are not funny you know what i mean and i want the stuff to be funny not just oh look how you beat the shit out of that guy there's no comedy in that there's no yeah, art yeah. anybody can go somebody who's in a, a compromising situation or a bad personal situation anybody can go and make them feel like shit yeah. and embarrass them that's shooting fish in a barrel no sport in that i think it's much better to skirt that not talk about that but something like sending a penis picture sorry fair game because yeah. you did that no one forced you to do that you did that so that is fair conversation and you know, like the people at home are waiting for you to ask that question. You're like the voice of the honesty and like just yeah. And when the people do stupid things, absolutely, I will talk about that. Mm-hmm. But personal life and stuff like that, kids, nah, stay the hell away oh, yeah. from it. I respect that, man. And just like after many years, like just as you're talking, like the names, like Gene Sims, you interviewed like everybody. What keeps you going right now? Like what keeps rage? Rage. Is it, well disguised because you can yeah. see. I seem very, very calm. Um, is it the bigger fight, like we mentioned with the Fu Network and the? Well, part of the reason, that, yeah. part of the reason that it's called Fun, the Fu Network. Yeah. Part of the reason that it exists is to provide media where we can talk about issues without being called a uh, a Nazi or a fascist or a uh, social justice warrior or a snowflake, because there are in fact people who are that. And I don't want anything to do with them. They're, they're taking over the internet. They're taking over their, their, their videos on YouTube are constantly getting, getting cited. There's no place you can go where you can have, see, conversation about shit that is funny, topical, honest, but not fucking crazy. Everything's outraged. Everyone's mad. The left and the right now are virtually indistinguishable. You just change what it is they're yelling about, but it's the same fucking tactics. So we need a place where we're going to you know, reclaim a spot on the internet where not only are we going to rebuild what was taken away from us in much music, but we're going to create a place on the internet where 
people can talk, people can be passionate, people can be funny, and not be batshit insane. Because mm, now everyone's just trying to shut everybody up. Everyone's trying to shut everybody down. Um, and I understand, like, you know, the Me Too movement. A lot of people are getting caught in that net. I understand that there's going to be excesses at the beginning. There's going to be some people who have done very little, who get equated with the larger picture. Because you know what? When you keep something, when you keep somebody, something uh, under pressure for years and you hold it down, when that pressure's removed, it just explodes. And so that's what you're getting now. I don't think it's good that people like Al Franken get caught in something that is intended to deal with someone like uh, Harvey Weinstein, okay? But you're going to get that because people have been, they've been so, I don't know, fermented their anger for so long that when you let it out, it's just going to go blah. It's like sometimes you're in an argument with somebody and, you, and all of a sudden everything that, you, that you're pissed off with them about yeah, comes just, out, even little minute horse shit. Yeah, things you're thinking about years ago. Yeah, and just, just all like, of a sudden it just comes out. Yeah. It's, not, it's no longer related to that b- bigger issue, but mm-hmm. it's another thing that pisses you off. And another thing, that's what's happening now with Me Too, is that people are blowing up because they've been so held down for so long that, yeah, it's not exactly focusing on a target. Yeah. Um, it, the, 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 the target is way too broad. Um, but uh, it will calm down, and hopefully we'll deal with, you know, that issue. It'll become a regular thing that it, people can't do that. But you know what I want to see? I want to see it expand not just to uh, sexual uh, assault or, or uh, uh, sexual, uh, what's the word? Bullying. How about just bullying? Yeah. How about, you know what, I don't even like the word bullying because it sounds like kids in a schoolyard. Bullying sounds so infantile to call something bullying. No one takes it seriously when you call it bullying because mm-hmm. bullies, school bullies... Yeah, you think of like grade school with that Well, and you know that you know. every schoolyard bully you ever knew grew up to be a fucking loser. Yeah, that's so true it, too. Sort of, yeah, it yeah. doesn't... Bullying, it, it's uh, harassment is really <laughs> what it is. And you know what? There's lots of workplaces where you take the sexual component out, but you've got bosses who are fucking assholes, who are toxic, who run people down, who abuse their staff... Uh, I've seen it. I've tried to fix it um, with some success and other times not. There's lots of places. We need to stop the idea that any kind of harassment is okay. Sexual harassment needs to stop. Then we need to expand it to harassment harassment. There needs to be basic rules of how you deal with human beings when you have power over them. That's the thing. I'm so sick of these people with power abusing the shit out of it, especially with employees now, because people are... They say the economy's growing. Well, a lot of people aren't feeling that. Wages haven't grown. So people feel afraid. So they're going to, the bosses know people will take a lot more shit because they can't, they're not just going to say, take this job and shove it and go get another job. They're afraid. So they abuse that shit. You know, if Harvey Weinstein had continued to just abuse people without the sexual component, because Hollywood producers are famous for horribly abusing their staff, if he'd continued to do that and not the sexual thing, he would still be running Weinstein, the Weinstein Company. Because we don't take seriously when people are just horrible, uh, abusive assholes. When the sexual component comes into it, okay, we start to understand the power imbalance. We start to see it a little bit differently. Yeah, yeah. But we need to expand it. We need to stop the abuse. We need to stop workplaces being places people can be abused. Amen. We need to stop uh, the internet from being places people can be abused. Mm-hmm. That'll never fucking happen. But the thing, that's the key, <laughs> like I said before, about free speech. We need to be out there creating uh, you know, mediums and uh, vehicles so that we can fight back against the horribleness. And by fighting back, I don't mean you get on there and criticize the, the two sides you can't stand. Mm-hmm. You get on there and don't even talk about them. You know, yeah. Just fucking ignore them. 
Because it's always the loudest voices that get the attention. And the ones in the middle who are going to solve the problem, they don't get any attention. Those are the ones you got to talk about. I want to, we're going to do stuff on the FU network, like politics programming. is not going to be about, let's talk about how bad the right is, how bad the left is. Let's talk about the fucking issue. Fuck Let's yeah. not even talk Fuck about yeah. them because mm-hmm. I don't want them relevant to what we're doing. It's, they're not relevant to the conversation. Other people can deal with that shit. It's, and, and, you know, and also dealing with things honestly, the way normal people talk. Not the way, you know, you watch CNN. I prefer MSNBC. Some people prefer Fox. You get, uh, you get pundits up there. And they speak in terms and jargon that the average person doesn't. We want to have conversations that people can recognize are conversations they've been a part of. Because, uh, you know, a lot of people, pun- things that excite pundits don't excite average people. Mm-hmm, yeah. You know, like when if, if the things that excited pundits excited average people, Trump w- wouldn't have been president. All the pundits were saying he's violated all these basic rules of decorum. And that mattered to them. It didn't matter so much to the people who were voting. So we got this idea that Trump couldn't win because all of these pundits were pointing out that it was outrageous. But the average person wasn't as outraged. And there's issues that some people, that pundits care about that people don't. Or they deal with them in a way that isn't dealt with by people on the ground. You know, yeah, have to yeah. deal with this shit all the time. The impact of policies. That's what the politics is going to be. Uh, Liana is going to be uh, looking after our gaming and women's programming. Awesome. And if you haven't, uh, Liana Kay is, has her own YouTube channel called Liana Kay, or Red Liana Kay. She's currently doing a series called Lady Bits which is examining the, the role of f- uh, women in, in video games and in the video game oh, industry. Oh, cool. I'm interested uh, in that. But from yeah. a radically moderate point of view, mm-hmm. as someone who is a gamer and understands the context of these characters, as opposed to somebody from the outside wearing hoop earrings who's not a gamer, who looks at things from yeah, a distance. Yeah, the talking puppet. Thing, yeah, yeah. yeah. She, uh, Anita Sarkeesian doesn't really understand the context of these games. She's looking at these things from a distance doesn't understand that within the context there are reasons and there are things. So this series is done with humor, cool, and it but with intelligent uh, analysis. But it's it doesn't treat gamers like villains. It doesn't treat anyone like villains. And that's uh, that was basically our first fu uh, docu series. So it's running now on uh, Liana's page. Uh, I think it's Red Liana K uh, on YouTube. But just look up Liana K YouTube. You'll find it. Um, and so you know she'll be running that. And uh, I've got a comedian named Darren Frost, who's been around the city for many years. He's uh, helping uh, organize our comedy programming. Nice, nice. Uh, yeah, yeah, so, and dealing with music, um, I can't really say the names yet because it's not been confirmed. Um, cool, yeah. But we, we, there will be music. Whoever you choose, because. Yeah, the you, the interesting scene, thing yeah. is, though, these days you can't really do music criticism. Like, you can't do video criticism like I used to do. Because you go, yeah, you the do the fromage that. classics. Exactly, I put that up on uh, New Year's Day on Facebook, and it was shut down. And I knew it would be because of all of the automated bots. Oh yeah, from they the hear record the song companies. and they cut yeah, it out of you. Yeah, yeah. And so the, it was just they, it was shut down within a day. So mm. I said on Twitter, "You better watch these things now because they're <laughs> going to be gone." <laughs> yeah, quick, guys. Like, yeah, and, the, yeah. and uh, you can't do that kind of video criticism anymore because uh, these bots shut you down. And you have to then go and argue with them and say, look, this is critical. Even if it's humorous, you can still use humor in a critical fashion. Um, so, but you have to go and make that argument after they've shut your stuff down or they've demonetized it. So you're not, you can't make any money on it. So why do it, you know, as a regular thing? So 
back, you know, with much music, we could do that. Um, so I think that it's possible that the FU Network's music stream, uh, there'll be programming that isn't monetized and that does use clips and stuff just to, we're not going to fight with you. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're just going to put it up there, and it's separate from the rest of the pages, so the rest of it doesn't get affected when this one does. Cool. I love this hub that's growing. It's like just the, it's got the heart of the old much music and all the things that it seems like we all love like growing up watching, and it's just... It's I don't know, honesty. We, yeah, we love that you're pushing back. Like, Girth Radio fucking loves you, Ed. We're going to share absolutely everything you guys post, like... I'm Great. So, I'm so excited to see like. Where, By the way, where, where the hell goes. did the name Girth come from? Um, that's a question you got to ask the program director because Girth Sammy. usually involves someone des- describing their penis. Yes, in, uh, and so the first thing you think of is Girth. It's like somebody's got is telling us he's got a fat wang. Yeah, and I'm not sure if that's really what you know. Girth also could talk about somebody who's rotund, somebody who's uh, can you what, what 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 can you say about someone who's overweight now without fat shaming? Um, big boned. Big boned. And around the big bone is a lot of big meat. Um, but, you know, th- those are rotund individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, are, they have girth. But usually nowadays, girth is something you see in letters to Penthouse Forum, if they still have those. Yeah, definitely. And, like, even, like, you click on the websites, the first thing you see is, like, it's bigger than you think. And, uh, oh. yeah, so. I you don't know what know. he needs to do is he needs to do a, a logo, which is of the centerpiece of a rod-like item. Just okay, the center yeah. with a tape measure going around it and showing how, uh, you know, that it's, it's stretching the tape measure. The tape measure barely fits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you need to do that kind of thing to show that, that that'll show girth. I'm going to pitch it to him. Or actually, he's probably going to listen to this one. I know. He's What's his name? Sammy? Sammy Yunin. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, you yeah. say hi to Sammy for me. I will, definitely. And uh, yeah, anything else uh, you want to say, Ed, before we uh, close this one down? Uh, No. I don't. I didn't even. There was nothing I wanted to say when I got here. So <laughs> well, I appreciate you like just hanging out with me for the past hour, and like yeah. it means a lot, man. Like uh, especially just like growing up watching you, and it's it's super cool. You're definitely uh, all right. Cut it out. Me. Okay, cut sorry, it out. Sorry. I'm glad uh, I influenced you. Yeah. I'm glad to have had impact with people. Yeah. We had a guy. Well, sorry, that, that's my mistake. We had a uh, 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 an individual on our our live show who mm. is non-binary. Okay, born male. Uh, but uh, uh, dresses in, in semi-female fat, whatever. Okay, says, yeah, yeah. Says that they are not binary. By the way, I have no problem referring to Z or Zay as a pronoun. They bothers me because it's hard to get your head around you're talking about an ind- individual using a, a plural. That's the thing about they that I never get. I, I always trip mm. over. It's like, but it's one person. Can yeah, we, I yeah. don't mind Z and Zay. Or the, uh, give me something else that can be seen as individual. Don't make me start talking about an individual like they're a plural. Anyway, uh, this person was on and said that uh, that growing up watching me and, and my buddy Strombo was on the show that day, hmm, watching yeah. uh, me and Strombo, this person out in, in Saskatchewan who was different, saw that it was okay to be different. It was okay to do your own thing, and that helped uh, this person through. It's like, okay, you realize a lot of this shit we're doing, it can have a positive impact on people. So I'm glad it had a positive impact on you, or it didn't, because uh, here you are you know, taking your night up talking to me when you could be doing something more productive. <laughs> I love it. I wouldn't be anywhere else, man. <laughs> All right, well, awesome. thank, thank you for having me here. That concludes our episode with Ed DeSock. Big thanks again to Ed for coming out. Really appreciate him taking the time to sit down with me. Afterwards, I got to talk a little bit with his assistant, Stephen Kersner. 
incredibly intelligent dude. And I'm just so beyond fascinated with the shift in television and how Canadian media is presented. And him and Ed have been living through all the changes. It's cool to pick his brain and hear his insight. And I'd love to have him on a future episode down the road. But right now, like always, we're going to end this episode with a song. This is from my number one metal album of 2017. The album is called Nightmare Logic, and it's from a band called Power Trip. And this song is called The Executioner's Tax. If you're listening to this at your day job, try not to bust a keyboard over your boss's head. And I'll see you next week. Live from the center of the Earth, Girth.